0: He who fears to suffer cannot be his who suffered. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth. Job
1: pours out his complaint to God. Honest and straightforward expression. I hope that you are comfortable enough to express what's in your heart to God. But hopefully as you mature, you're not acting like a kid. But on every level of maturity, we still are frail. God is looking that we press on towards the mark of
0: maturity. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The question during times of suffering is often, why do the righteous suffer if God is loving and all-powerful? But the focus of the Old Testament book of Job, the man who lost all his wealth, health, and family, rather is what he learned through his suffering. And so, Pastor Xavier continues his character study of Job now, as we'll see what simple truths God has for us to learn, too. Let's listen.
1: The book of Job is the epitome of the old proverb, that it's better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. And we will see this through the three friends, and the most foolish of all four, the young man. Let's begin with the prologue. Some of this will be reviewed because we looked at the first two chapters last time, but I'm going to walk through it so that you can see it from the beginning there. Job was a blameless and upright man, one who feared God, and he shunned evil. That's God's record. First two chapters, Job didn't have. First two chapters, you and I have. First two chapters, very important to be able to understand the rest of the book. We have all the backdrop information, so we read it just like a little comic book or something. What if we didn't have the first two chapters? How would you explain God? What would you think about God? What would you think about Job? I'm afraid we would fall into the categories with these four friends. <laughs> Job was a family man, great wealth. He was the greatest man of the East, it tells us there. A faithful high priest to his home, offering sacrifices in case his children sin. Verses 6-12, God's first challenge to Satan, we saw that last time. God initiates the testing. He gives the permission. He gives the limitations. Keep that in mind. Satan says Job serves God simply because of the things he receives from God. And we have a lot of that theology today. Preachers uh, giving carnal theology to motivate and instigate carnality from the, from the congregation, thinking that godliness is gained by the amount of money you have and the confessions you can make. That makes you spiritual, that makes you a man of faith. So you've got to plant your seed faith. We can see that the descendants of Job's friends are still around. Miserable comforters. Physicians of no value. Verses 13 through 22, Job's character stands. He tore his clothes. He worshiped God. He understood that he came in naked to the world. Naked he goes out. Job knew God was sovereign and he did not sin or charge God foolishly. Pretty commendable. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 7, God's second challenge to Satan, as we saw last time. God initiated again the test, gave the permission, and again set the limitations. Keep that in mind. Satan declared that Job served God for what? Health. Because of his life. Satan is the enemy of God, as well as the believer. Keep that in mind. He has access to God's throne. I don't know why, but he does. He's called the accuser of the brethren, Revelations 12.10. Remember that Satan is an instrument of God many times. God uses him, and he uses him for his glory due to the fact that God sets the boundaries and gives the permission. I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures. You might jot down 2 Samuel 24.1. In 1 Chronicles 21.1, compare them both, God allows Satan to provoke David to number the people of Israel. And then David numbered the people and God judged David because David failed the test. 1 Samuel 18.10, God sent a distressing spirit to Saul for his jealousy over David. 1 Kings 22.22 22, and 23, God put a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets of Ahab. God will allow Satan Fulfill certain things during the great tribulation as well as the tribulation, the beginning, but he's only doing that which God has set the boundaries for, he's under God's control. Listen, Satan has a long chain, but it can only reach as far as God sets the limits for. You ever remember walking down the neighborhood, this old dog mean. But you knew he had a chain on him, and you knew he could only come so far. And you knew if you got to a certain distance, nothing he could do to you. Keep that in mind with Satan. And the best way to do it is to keep the Lord between you and Satan, and you are fully protected. One day we'll understand this completely. But know that nothing is out of the control of God. Chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, Job's character stands once again. Verses 7 and 8, Job, some have speculated here that Job even contacted leprosy and elephantitis. We don't know. Job sat in ashes, most likely in the place outside the village where rubbish and dung and everything else was cast out. He was an outcast at this point A society. What a contrast between what he was before and what he is now. He scraped himself with a piece of pottery to relieve him his itching of his sores from head to toe. And then Job rebuked his wife, remember we saw that, calling her a foolish woman, lacking discernment, declaring that God was sovereign, just and holy. Shall we indeed accept good at the hand of God, not adversity, Job says? Am I someone special? Is God indebted to me? Job did not sin with his lips again. Verses 12 through 16. Upright man. Now, this brings us to his friends. Chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. Job's three friends here. Verse 11 their purpose in coming was to mourn and comfort Job, motivated by their friendship. Their names are given to us Eliphaz, the Timnite, which was known for wisdom. He as well as his country. And it is, he is the older of the three. Bildad, the Shuite, is younger, believed to be the son of Keturah, a land of wise men also, First Kings 4.30. So far, the Nimahite is unknown, probably best. Elihu, is the youngest of all four proudful, arrogant, and plainly disrespectful? a know it all. Now notice verse 12. Their personal astonishment was manifested in severe grief. As they cried out, weeping, tearing their clothes, and sprinkling dust on their heads. When they saw him, they did not recognize Job. Notice he says there, they did not recognize him. Being so disfigured. He didn't have a hangnail, okay? His body was disfigured. That's why they believe elephantitis, even leprosy. Verse 13: Their pity and compassion caused them to remain silent for seven days as they just sat with Job, keeping him company. You know, sometimes the best thing we do for those in a severe situation is just to be silent and not speak till God tells us to speak. So often we think that right away, well, you know, God, you know, God works all things for good. That scripture is good, but not at that time. Be sensitive as a Christian. (laughs) Thinking we're spiritual warriors. Sometimes it's best to just be quiet. And you know what they need? All they need is a hug and say, Hey, let me pray with you. And after things settle down, then I can deal with you with scripture, but I need to be sensitive. And we need to understand that. Notice we move into the dialogue. Chapter 3 all the way to chapter 31. In chapter 3, we have Job's lamentation. Verses 1 through 3, he curses the day of his birth. He curses the night of his conception because the door of his mother's womb did not shut him up but allowed him to come forth. And he uses beautiful poetic language as the womb opening up as a door to allow him to enter life. He says, I wish it would have shut and killed me. He desired he would have been stillborn, verse 11 through 19. Verses 20 through 26, he desires death to come and questions why he is allowed to live in such a condition. This is a righteous man. Do you think God is confused and blown away and and stumble when you are so down and you say, Oh God, why did you do this? (gasps) Gabriel, did you hear that? I never thought he would say that. When you're feeling down, when I'm feeling down, when I'm acting like an idiot, God understands me. God will deal with me. But he's not as a man. He understands that I am but frail, I am but dust. He will deal with me. He understands me. Now, the first cycle of Job's three friends begins in chapter 4 through 14. Six speeches are recorded, the address as well as the reply. Chapter 4 through 7, we have Eliphaz and Job. Eliphaz, probably the oldest of the three, and should have been the wisest and the most sympathetic, but instead he accuses Job of sin. And so chapter 4 and 5, Eliphaz begins here in chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, and And Eliphaz says, Who can withhold himself and speak in subtle mockery of Job, who was highly esteemed? In other words, I I, I can't tolerate this, you know, without respect. In verses 3 through 5, Eliphaz reproved Job for his impatience in spite of his benevolence and help to others, but now he tells Job, You can't apply it to your own life. Oh, you help people, you said this, you did that, but now you can't hack it. You're going through it now. Verse 7, Iliphaz has brash and bad theology. Remember now, whoever perished being innocent or where were the upright ever cut off? They are all the time. (laughs) Bad theology. Many righteous have perished. Read the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Hall of Faith. Chapter 6, verse 1 through 13, Job responds in defense of his sufferings. Notice verse 1 through 4, his suffering is heavy. Listen to him. And Job answered, Oh, that my grief were fully weighed and my calamity laid with it on the scales. Beautiful picture. For then it would be heavier than the sands of the sea, therefore my words have been rash. <laughs> Verse 5 through 7, he complaint, his complaint is justified, and then he illustrates it. Can flavorless food be eaten without salt? Verse 6, verse 7, my soul refuses to touch them. They are as loathsome food to me. Verses 8 through 10, he cries out to God for death in order to receive relief. That's how desperate he is. Verse 11 through 13 of chapter 6, Job confesses his physical and emotional weakness to go on. Now, you know what it is to be physically down. But when you're down emotionally, also, the combination is extreme. And when you're down physically, emotionally, you're down, and Satan knows that. Verses 14 through 30, Job responds to Eliphaz and expresses his disappointment with his friends. Verses 14 through 21, Job tells them that They were dealing deceitfully with him and illustrates it and that even if one forsakes God, kindness should be shown to one who is afflicted. They weren't even doing that. Clouds without water, like Peter and Jude say. Verses 22 and 3, Joe reminds them that he never asked them for anything or for deliverance at any time. He said, did I call you guys here? Did I ask you to deliver me, to give me money? Did I ask you for a bribe? Did I ask you for anything? No. Job tells him in verse 24 and 25 to teach him where he has erred. His argument has proven nothing about his sin. If you're going to give somebody counsel, give them the word of God. Assess the problem located in Scripture. Give them the scriptural solution. Let the word of God be the guide. Job declares the words that he has told them are unjust, for he is righteous before God, verse 26 to 30. And so Job expresses now his lack of comfort in chapter 7, verse 1 through 10. And his sufferings and ultimate death. And as you read it, I mean, it's just amazing. Is there not a time of hard service for a man on earth? Are not his days also like the days of the hired man, like a servant who eternally desires the shade, and like the hired man who eagerly looks for his wages? In other words, you know, I I just want to rest. You know, work is good, but when you work at 10, 13, 14 hours, you're looking forward to going home, going to bed. This is what he's saying. I just can't hang on no more. Verse 11 through 21, Job prays to God. In verse 11 through 16, Job declares that God has right to complain in anguish of spirit. So Job is not altogether blameless regarding God. We're going to see this at the end also. I mean, he's expressing some stuff to God, and God's just sitting there, okay, <laughs> I'll deal with you later. Verse 17 through 21, Job asks God how long he will try him. What, he has, what has he done to become a burden to himself? And he desires a pardon for his sin, for he will seek God, he says. As he moves on to chapter 8 through 10, Bildad now speaks to Job. Bildad now responds to Job in defense of God's justice. And is much harsher than Eliphaz, expounding experience in the tradition of the fathers. From chapter 8 to 14. Now, he comes from a different perspective now. He's a very hard-line, rigid guy. Got everything neatly packaged. Chapter 8, verse 1 through 22, that calls Job to repent. Sounds good at first, till you move through it. Verse 2, he calls Job a windbag full of hot air. That's how he begins. <laughs> verse 3, God is just in his judgment. Verse 4, implying his sons were guilty, sinners. Verse 5 through 7, he exhorts Job to repent. (laughs) 8 through 10, he pleads that Job seek the wisdom of the ancient, basing his counsel on tradition instead of Scripture. Verse 11 through 19, he illustrates the end of the wicked by various metaphors, and you can read them through there. They sound good. Verse 20 through 22, God will not be unjust to the blameless. Or the evil, he says. And so Job responds to Bildad, chapter 9, verse 1 through 35, expressing his awareness of there being no mediator. Now Job puts his finger on his problem, which is great. Chapter 9, verse 1 through 3, Job declares the impossibility of contending with God. The word contend is a technical term for conducting a lawsuit. He has no lawyer for the defense. He has no umpire, no one to go before between he and God. Verse 4 through 13, Job says, no one has won a case against God. He is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. Creation is a witness of God. Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. He does as he wills. Daniel 4.35 says, and we'll see it here also in chapter 9, verse 12. Now in verses 14 through 20 of chapter 9, Job confesses man's finiteness and his sinfulness, hindering his approach to an infinite and holy God. So Job is really nailing the problem of having access to God. There was a priest in the Old Testament. Now remember, he goes back to Abraham's days. The law hasn't been given. There's no go-between, no umpire. Job expresses his confusion and his dilemma, being blameless, yet suffering, looking to death in verse 21 through 31. So you see him be real solid, and then he goes, oh, you know, I mean, I mean, he's he's a mess. And so in verses 32 through 35, Job expresses the problem at hand. There is no mediator, one who settles the quarrel by reconciliation of the two parties. Literally, an umpire. No one to say, out, save. (laughs) No one with the authority to do it. Interesting. Paul tells Timothy there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2 5. We have an umpire, we have a lawyer for the defense. Jesus is the answer to Job's problem. Chapter 10, verse 1 through 22. Job pours out his complaint to God. Verse 1 through 7, Job expresses his honest and straightforward expression to God. I hope that you are comfortable enough to express what's in your heart to God. But hopefully, as you mature, you're not acting like a kid. <laughs> But on every level of maturity, we still are frail. And God is looking that we press on towards the mark of maturity. My soul loathes my life. I will give free course of my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, do not condemn me. Show me why you condemn. Contend with me. And he goes on. Verse 8 through 12, Job describes man's human frailty as intricate yet clay-like, as milk, cheese, knit together with skin and sinews. Interesting, real beautiful picture he paints on there. Sometimes we think, well, yeah, I'm, no, no, he, he paints a good picture of man. Real temporal. We're created of the dust, Genesis 2, 7 says. Verse 13 through 17, he declares God's perfect justice. 18 through 22, Job pleads for relief even for a moment. Just let me catch my breath. Now, beginning chapter 11 to 14, we have Sofar who speaks to Job. Sofar calls Job to repent also, yet he is the harshest of the three, appealing to the light of human understanding and is probably the youngest of the three. Chapter 11, verse 1 through 20. So far calls Job a man full of talk. Literally, a man of lips and that God has dealt with him less than he deserves. (laughs) God has been easy on you, Job. You deserve worse, verse 6 says. Verses 7 through 12, so far demeans Job, declaring God's knowledge, and calls him an empty-headed man. When you get to chapter 12, from verse 1 all the way to chapter 14, verse 22, Job responds to all three of his friends. First six verses of chapter 12, Job rebukes them for their pride and Air thinking that they possess all the wisdom, declaring he was not inferior, and knew what they were saying. But the evil do prosper at times, he says, and innocent do suffer at times. Verse seven through twelve, Job points to nature that teaches and exposes the error that only evil men suffer and good don't. He uses nature. Verse 13 through 25, chapter 12, Job expresses God's sovereign rule over creation and man. He does as he wills. Then chapter 13, verse 1 through 12, Job declares again that he is not inferior to them and would desire to reason with God, not them. For they were forgers of lies and worthless physicians speaking wickedly for God with their platitudes. I like that physicians of no value worthless physicians you go to the doctor and say yeah you're sick can't do nothing for you you know you shouldn't eat that burrito that's good counsel interesting chapter 13 verse 13 through 19 Job's confidence in God even though he slay me I will not leave him you will depend upon God even though he slay me yet will I trust in him He'll trust in his judgment
0: Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Job is learning to trust God even when his ways are incomprehensible. Pastor Xavier Reese closing today with an important simple truth for us all. Now today's Simple Truths Character Study is titled Job Part 2, and copies are available on CD, as always, for only $4. Having your own copy is a handy way to study Scripture more in depth and at your own pace but also a convenient way to pass on to someone else you might know that would appreciate this teaching. Now again, that title is Joe Part 2. Request yours today by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please help us by including the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. I hope you'll make it back for the concluding portion of our character study of Job on the next Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese.